When building out a dungeon for your tabletop game experience, some questions may come up. What do the creatures eat when there are no adventurers for food? How does oxygen ventilate this place? How come the goblins haven't set off any of the incredibly deadly traps? This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Danny about his upcoming book, Dungeons with Plumbing. This piece of work is filled to the brim with content to help build dungeons and make them, well, make logical sense and have plumbing. We talk about writing, history, and course dungeons. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be joined by Danny. Danny, thank you so much for coming onto the show this week. I'm very, very happy to be here. <laughs> We're going to be... Uh, doing a, a bit of a different one we're going to be talking about a book that you're writing and i say this after we've been talking for the past oh almost 30 minutes already about other things so i know I'm, it's true i'd almost forgotten yeah <laughs> i'm really excited to be talking to you about dungeons with plumbing thank you very much Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, um, so I've been playing D and D pretty much exclusively D and D. Actually, I, I've played other um, RPGs, but D and D is my still my one true love. So, um, I uh, I've been playing it for uh, it must be close to forty years now. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I started with the basic set when I was about eight years old. Um, and, um, and I, I fell in love with it pretty much straight away. Uh, and the, I had a, a long life of struggling to find other people who would play it with me. Um, yeah. so I, I graduated from the basic set fairly early on to, uh, AD and D second edition. And then, uh, that was the game that I played for, uh, for many years, uh, all through my teens into university uh, and then I kind of drifted away from the game for a while. Um, and when my kids were born, I uh, when they were about sort of seven and nine, um, I kind of picked the game up again to play with them a little bit, which was great fun. Um, but uh, kind of did it for a little while and then drifted away from it again. And then the big turning point for me was discovering uh, fifth edition. Uh, that was when that came out. I, I was uh, hearing a lot of buzz about it. It sounded really exciting. Mm -hmm. And it really kind of blew my mind, actually. I was so um, just blown away by it. I thought it was just so beautifully created. It was so uh, the, the, so richly illustrated and had all this um, fun kind of story element things that I've always enjoyed in D&D, &D, but were always sort of in the background in the in second edition. And... Um, so yeah and, and so i i just yeah absolutely loved it so then i played with them for a long time uh well a long time for for us for a little while <laughs> and then um the the next big turning point as i think is true for quite a few people who you've had on this show uh was obviously the pandemic and um yeah. that uh, gave us a lot of time at home um and uh that was um that was sort of the moment when we when when I, I really kind of lent into it a little bit more um and uh i started writing 
And uh, mm-hmm. so up till that time, I'd mostly I, I've always written campaigns. I've always had a, you know, a few things. Uh, I've always been the DM and uh, yeah. Yeah, I've always enjoyed writing my own stuff. But uh, I have never had a lot of time. <laughs> so I've mostly you know, always had the, 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 the official adventures were always the, my starting point uh, for playing mm-hmm. D&D. Um, but yeah, during the pandemic, I started writing this uh, campaign to play online on Roll20 with um, my uh, daughter and my son and a, a couple of my daughter's friends from university. And I was DMing. And it was quite fun with the, all these young people. You know, all these. I, I felt like the old man in the room. I was sort of um, slightly touched by the fact that they didn't feel embarrassed <laughs> to be playing with me. Um, but uh, yeah, so I started this campaign, uh, the Legend of Xandrax, which legacy—I always call it Legend, Legacy of Xandrax, um, which uh, is a uh, epic adventure involving um, a, a wounded beholder and a uh, and a cursed amulet and lots of good fun stuff. Um, and uh, as I was playing this game with them, I sort of started feeling like maybe. The time has come to actually write some of this down and try publishing it. And I sort of looked around and I'd seen uh, DMs Guild and how people were doing a lot of this uh, self-published stuff. And that's sort of how I got into it. So then I published that. It was a long and arduous task of getting um, Legacy of Xandrax done. It took me uh, about a year and a half to write that. Was a, it was a huge, huge job. And I had to finish it w- without the campaign. So some of it's never been uh, played because the uh, after the, the lockdown ended, uh, all of the various young people went off to university and the and the, the campaign fizzled. So there are parts of it that I've mm-hmm. never got around to playing. I've actually just recently restarted it with a new group um, to finally, hopefully, uh, get through it and, and get to the, to the fun stuff that I've never had a chance to play. Um, so, so yeah, so it was, it was hard going to, to, to finish that. But, uh, after I published it and I sort of thought, great, now I can get on with some other things. Suddenly I found myself being drawn into this world of homebrew a lot more. And, uh, and of course, in the process of promoting it, I'd sort of discovered RPG Twitter, uh, which is a mm. wonderful place. I mean, Twitter is a cesspool, it's right? But it's uh, but 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 RPG Twitter is beautiful and it's full of great people. Um, I mean, it there's is. some toxic people in there too. But but we ignore the toxic people, and most of the people <laughs> are lovely. Um, and so I've met and a lot of amazing people, creative people, doing these incredible things. And so I kind of found myself wanting to be part of that. Uh, and so that's sort of what happened. So I then started writing other homebrew things. So I released a couple of uh, character classes uh, yeah. and then I released um, um, uh, my, my favorite thing so far, which is a, a book called Beyond the Black Pudding, which is a, a compendium of, of oozes. Uh, very proud of that. And um, it's so much fun. Thank you. Yes, I, I love it. I love it. I really do. There's some great things in there. That was a that was actually a joint project between me and my son, who is uh, 19. And uh, we wrote quite a lot of it on a skiing holiday while my leg was um, was out of action after a bad accident on oh, the first no. day. So I was stuck indoors and uh, we were just had nothing to do but talk about oozes. So it was good fun. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was that was great fun. And then um, and again, as I was coming to the end of that, I thought, great, now's the time I'm going to take a quick break. And literally the day I was publishing it. Um, I was talking to my daughter and she was saying to me, you know, I love that. I love your username. So my username on Twitter is D&D with plumbing. And um, okay. and it was, uh, as you I no doubt familiar with you when you're trying to create your Twitter identity, you try and think of, you know, a username that, that defines you in some way, but also hasn't been yeah. used by someone else. And uh, mm -hmm. so so this was a thing. So we, we tried so many names and so many things and none of them really worked. And then my daughter was the one who suggested it. Um, and she suggested it because this has always been a thing that I've loved. I've always loved creating um, dungeons that have some kind of realism to them. They feel like they are real living spaces that actually work. I'm yeah. uh, I'm a scientist by kind of background, uh, or a mathematician okay. officially. But uh, you know, I've I've always mm. been in a world of maths and science. I'm a logically minded person, so I struggle yeah. with any kind of dungeon that doesn't make sense. Anything where you can't work out how the people get from one place to another or you can't see how these creatures could be living next to each other without eating or you can't see what they eat. You're looking at them going, OK, when there aren't any adventurers here, what do these creatures eat? <laughs> and these questions bother me. So I've always had dungeons that always have to make sense. It's a curse, to be honest with you. A lot of the time I'm like, please, can I not just make a dungeon that doesn't have a toilet? But the answer is no. Every time <laughs> I make a dungeon, it has to have a toilet. And I have to come up with reasonable, interesting ways to make those bathrooms fun. So I have created a great variety of weird and wonderful plumbing over the years in my various dungeons. And yes. um, so, yeah, so that was where the name D&D with plumbing came from. So my daughter was then going, you know, that's such a good thing. You should write a book about that. And I was like, oh, you're so right. I really should. And so uh, just at the moment when I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'll take a break from writing. Suddenly there I was right back in it. Um, writing this epic D&D um, &D with plumbing book. So it's it's Dungeons with Plumbing. It's not really D&D &D with plumbing, even though actually it's yeah. it's very it contains a lot of D&D &D lore. Um, really, the the the, the big um, the the uh, the ideas within it are applicable yeah, really to any agnostic. kind of dungeon design. Yeah, exactly. The only thing which is sort of is focused on specifically not entirely but definitely is is the focus because it's got to be focused in some way it is sort of aimed towards underground layers of one kind or another so yeah so even though a lot of the dungeon. traditional dungeons yeah even though a lot of the stuff could also apply to any kind of city or you know in any kind of society um the ones i was interested in specifically from the start with the underground stuff so yeah. i've mostly focused on that uh, and it's got three sections. So the first part is sort of about um, 
the the engineering side of things. So basically, how underground worlds are constructed, stuff, some of the stuff to do with the physics of it, how the you know how you get power and light and oxygen, those kinds of things. So yeah, so plumbing is one thing that has always annoyed me. Ventilation is the other one, and water is the other <laughs> one. These are the three things that have. I guess water is part of plumbing, but yeah, ventilation is the one that everything's got ventilation. And what I love about these kinds of things is that when you start to think, well, how do they get ventilation in these places? You're also thinking in the world of fantasy and magic. And so mm -hmm. it's you don't have to be restricted to realistic ways of getting ventilation into your world. You can have magical things. You can have a portal to the plane of air. You can have a spider that, that whirls um, air through its through its legs um, in order to catch insects. You can have a, you know, a magical um, plant that stores air in the beneath the ground there's plenty of ways in which you can create interesting fantastical um options so yeah uh, so that's so that's the first part and then the second part is about ecology and and creatures uh so i've got a lot of stuff in there about basically how how actual ecosystems work and again my sort of science background comes in here so there'll be there's there's quite a lot of stuff in there which is to do with um, you know, explaining how food chains work and therefore why it's unrealistic <laughs> to have a dungeon entirely full of predators with no prey. There's got to be something for these things to eat. Um, th when there aren't adventurers in the room, you know, again, you, like, you always ask that question, what, what they're doing before the adventurers came? Um, and then the final stage is, is specifically about underground societies so other those other yeah. things are more to do with natural things but then it's about society specifically and then it's sort of the social things about politics and um and, and social structures and religion and uh economics and all those kinds of things so yeah another bugbear of mine if you'll pardon the almost pun is is how <laughs> um is how gold works in in D and D. The, the 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 economics of gold in D and D just makes no sense whatsoever. It drives me crazy. Uh, so I either I've got two options. Either we accept that that is how the economics works, and then try and find some way to explain it, or we have to sort of go. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Let's come up with a new economic system that does work. Uh, so both of those will be uh, will be in the book. So I'm about um, three quarters of the way through it so far. I'm about I've finished the first two chapters. I'm about halfway through the final chapter. Uh, it is uh, yeah, it's thirty thousand words so far and showing no oh signs of stopping. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so. This is a pretty big project, and obviously it has a lot of things that interest you. And that takes a, a lot of research and setting up. What's your background? Like, how did you get into dungeon designing? What What about it do you enjoy so much? Yeah, so... I think, well, okay, so let's start from the first thing. I don't enjoy dungeon design. It's a, oh. it, I, I, I mean, I do, but I have to, <laughs> they have to be birthed from me in great pain and suffering. Um, I, I love doing it, but I also, it is, uh, it is, it, it is not something that comes to me easily at all. 
um the um the the process is hot and partly that is because i'm i'm constantly desperately trying to to come up with these ideas and it's it's not even that it's that that yeah. as i'm doing it i find the i find i don't know what the dungeon is about until i'm about halfway through making it so the okay. thing that i really enjoy about making the dungeons is exactly this thing of trying to make the dungeon feel real but in order to make the dungeon feel real you kind of have to allow it to form itself a little bit and you can't yeah. and 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 of course any writer knows that this is the best part of writing but also the worst part of writing which mm. is the part where you don't know what what's going to come out next and so it's it's exciting and and invigorating to to have that moment when you the when you're like yeah. yeah i don't know what my characters are going to do wow that's amazing you know i thought i was writing this story it turns out i'm not it turns out the story is writing itself and i'm just <laughs> i'm just here to let that happen that's the best bit that's when you know that things are really working but to get to that stage is hard um I, i'm always kind of a bit I always feel a, a little bit overwhelmed by uh, and uh, by the by the sheer amount of creativity that I see out there. There's a lot of incredibly creative people in in the D and D space and in, in the TTRPG space generally. Um, you know, in the official books, in the in the in the world of homebrew, and all of these things. There's so many incredibly creative people. And I often feel a, a little bit like my stuff isn't as creative as that. And I, I get the slightly, you know, oh, my stuff's a bit trad, you know, it's like I make dungeons that, that you know, that they, they're, they're not they're not wild and wacky. They're just I mean, they kind of are, but they're they're. I don't know. They're dungeons. They're old school dungeons. I, my 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 vision of what constitutes a D and D dungeon is very much coloured by my years of reading source books and 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 traditional adventures. So I kind of have that in my head a little bit, and so um, and so I do sometimes you know get that slight sense of you know do i really have anything original or interesting to say that curse of, of of the need to be original and um i try to fight it because i know it's stupid i know that in that we're all original not everything is original because nothing is original everything we do is always something that someone else has done but if you do it authentically then it will always be original um it will always be something new um but uh but yeah i mean i do get that problem of, of I, I go oh god you know i'm writing this book there must be a million books like this out there by somewhere someone's written all this stuff nothing i'm saying is new you know what i mean um i seem to have drifted away from your original question your original question was <laughs> um i'll do this a lot uh your original question was yes how did i what do i enjoy about dungeon design how do i get into dungeon design um so yeah so I uh, first designed a dungeon, uh, probably the, the moment I first read the D&D Basic book. So that would be okay. when I was like eight years old. And uh, the dungeon that I made was basically the same dungeon that was in the book with a few things swapped out. Uh, I had no idea how to make anything that wasn't the thing that they'd done in the book. Um, so I struggled for a while to, to, to kind of get past that and come up with, um, new things. And the other problem I always had was I was the youngest in my 
group of family members who who were into this stuff so no one wanted me to be the dm I, i'm very envious of uh I've, you probably know there's a um a family out uh, out there and they uh the they tweet on uh twitter as um uh, the five-year-old dm um, so they have oh, a yes, I've heard. Yes, they have a a five year old dungeon master who is who who runs their campaign, and yeah, I, I my my envy for this child is it just knows no bounds. Like I wish I had parents <laughs> who would have done that for me. Um, so uh, so yeah, so I would I I loved making adventures, but I never got a chance to play them most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my first really uh, big adventure was the one i ran at university and that one i really enjoy i still have it um i still use it as a reference point for certain things so there are bits of it that have found their way into dungeons with plumbing um this is uh this was a, a comedy adventure it was a uh, most of my things are comedy adventures to one degree or another but um <laughs> this one was specifically a parody adventure it was like a a little combination of parodies so it was going the, the first section was a parody of superman the second section was a parody of james bond the third section was a parody of miss marple um, and we never got as far as the the fourth and fifth sections that I had planned, where the fifth one I was particularly looking forward to. And one of these days I will do it, which is a version of Enter the Dragon. Um, the the, the, oh, the awesome. um, yeah, I mean, martial arts tournament with with the you know, secret drug lair underneath. Oh, please. How built for D&D was that? Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so one one of these days I will make that. But um but yeah, and that was the that was really the ga- the game where I first started to formulate my sort of theories of dungeon design to some to the extent that I have theories of dungeon design. Um, uh-huh. And the most exciting part of it, it was the second part. It was the James Bond one, which was mostly based around the yeah. the film uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service, and. Um, it was uh so the it was a dungeon crawl through uh, uh underground lair where they had to start at the bottom work their way way up to the top of the mountain and um this was so this was the lair of the uh blowfelt equivalent and um he was uh, in cahoots with the lex lex luther equivalent from the previous section and mm-hmm. um so they had to work their way up. They started at the bottom and basically this guy had minions. He had had kobold minions. He had orc minions. Uh, and I think that was it actually, just kobolds and orcs. And so they start at the bottom and the kobolds are kind of in the basement. They, they're doing all the all the you know, menial stuff. And um, and then they've got these elevators that run through the through the, the dungeon that take you from the bottom floor to the top floor. But the elevators weren't working very well. And they so in order to get that, they could get use the elevators to get from the bottom floor to the, the next floor up. But then the next floor, it was broken and they couldn't get further up. So then they had to traverse their way around the, that level in order to find their way to a different um, shaft, which had like a dumbwaiter running from the top to the bottom, which they could use to get up to the next level up. Then they had to traverse back to find their way back to the elevators where they could now get the next level up. And Uh that little moment for me was a really exciting moment because when we played it, it worked perfectly. They didn't feel like they were being 
uh, railroaded through the adventure. Yeah. But they went to every single room that I'd created. And that was a really exciting moment. And I, I it came up with this notion that I call flow, which is basically mm -hmm. that, that when you're, as a DM, you kind of want to create... You, you, you want to create a world in which you, you've made all this exciting stuff. You kind of want your players to see it. So you want yeah. them to see all the stuff that you've made and to experience it in roughly the kind of story that you had in mind while still yeah. having that sense of agency and, and, and the and natural flow of the story. Um, and so you can, you, you basically manipulate them. You create the world in just such a way that the most natural way to flow through this world is in a particular direction and you just mm. place these little waypoints here and there that just naturally occur as a oh we'll go here and i even use little psychological tricks like um like there are there are tricks you can use where you go okay if i'm going from uh if i'm going along a corridor and there'll be a side corridor most people will go down the side corridor yeah. Because, oh, there's something down there. Let's see if there's anything down there. So you can even use those kinds of tricks. Or if, you know, if there's a room, two doors, they're more likely to go into the door opposite than the door behind them and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so you can do these little cunning tricks to make a place where it is perfectly possible for them to get through it in a different order. And that's absolutely fine. There's no, there's no harm in that. You don't mind if they do that. But if they do everything that you expect, then they'll go the other way. And that's quite fun because you get to go, ah, I wonder if they will do the thing that I wanted them to do. And uh, I've been really enjoying that with playing, replaying Legacy of Xandrax with my, with my new group. Uh, I don't know if any of them will be listening to this, so I won't uh, give away any secrets. <laughs> uh, but um, I, uh, I did. Uh, I have really enjoyed watching them play through the first few. We've only we're only two sessions in so far. Uh, playing through the first few bits of the story and basically going through exactly the same path that my first group went through, which is exactly the path that I thought they would go through, which is pretty much the path that I kind of designed it to do and yeah. uh and even though it's an open world where they could have gone anywhere the natural place to go was the place they went and that was really nice um so uh so yeah so i really enjoy that side of dungeon design the the the, the kind of okay how can i make this in a way that is that is naturally inclined to a certain route while still not feeling railroaded and that's a that's a mm -hmm. very tough balance uh to do hugely important uh, yeah. And I love uh, I love um, open world adventures. And that is my natural thing as I want to make an open world adventure. But I also kind of get scared by them because I get that. Oh, my God. What if they go into a place I haven't made yet? I'm not a natural improviser. I need things written down and planned. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so, yes. Um, I'm before before we started recording, I did mention to you how much I particularly yeah. love uh, the game Out of the Abyss, uh, the, the um, published campaign Out of the Abyss. Um, and Which I it, thought was incredible because that one gets so much flack, and I've never read it personally. So, like what you told me about it made me really into it. Yeah, it's really fantastic. It's beautifully written, and it's a. It's in in my opinion, it is the perfect example of a of the 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 perfect blend between railroading and um and open world. It's an open mm -hmm. world 
but one in which the natural flow will take them to certain places and to to do certain things in yeah. just just by by the the nature of the story that's happening the the, the world around them um and uh, yeah i played that one with um with my kids uh on an uh on a holiday quite a few years ago and um and it was just brilliant. It, it was so, and it was so easy. I'm, you know, again, mm -hmm. I'm a much better writer than I am a DM, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, yeah, I, I uh, it was really easy to DM. Very, just, just everything happens so so naturally. Everything's written really clearly. All of the, the, the characters are, are well portrayed. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, so yeah, so so that's that's my favourite thing about dungeon design. I, I really enjoy um, that that idea of creating these um, these worlds that just just want to be explored. You know, that have stuff happening in them that that you just want to find. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that's new with the with, was that that I haven't done before Zandrax. Uh, was creating a world with a really detailed society. And that's also been something I've really enjoyed uh, discovering yeah. for the first time. You can also kind of see this too. You've made a number of D&D &D settings and products, and there's a lot going on with what you've created there. Has this kind of helped lend itself to the writing process of Dungeons with Plumbing? Um. Yes, I would say so. I definitely wouldn't have embarked on this project if I hadn't had some experience on on these other easier um, projects first. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, the, the, um, Beyond the Black Pudding just wrote itself. That was just the easiest, most it. most it's natural thing to write. It just <laughs> it just flowed. Um, you know, it's just literally it started with um, a. Um, it, it starts, you know, um, Pip's Encounters, Pip's Spicy Encounters. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. So uh, they're a, a creator on um, uh, of of monsters and uh, and homebrew of various kinds, and mm -hmm. um, they uh, posted a thing saying, um, uh, uh, "Coming soon, Oozapalooza." And I just fell in love with this word Oozapalooza. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to make an Oozapalooza. And uh, so, yeah, so I was telling my my kids about it. And we had a very fun evening uh, just coming up with, with these really, really silly names for oozes. Um, and um, often incredibly rude names for oozes. Um, and uh, so we ended up with about 50 of these things and just yeah. going, OK, I think I have to write this, don't I? Because <laughs> it's just it's got to happen. So uh, so that was fun. But uh, but yes, definitely. The the thing that was interesting about writing that in particular uh, was that was a new discovery for me was one of the things I really enjoyed for that was creating game mechanics uh, that's definitely mm. something that that's relatively new for me and i hadn't realized how much i enjoy it it actually yeah. that's not true i've always created game mechanics but i'd never really thought about them as game mechanics but i've always enjoyed creating like set pieces you know those those bits of games the bits of the game where you come to a place and there's some some crazy environmental factor that that makes the game interesting or some weird thing that you have to do while you're fighting the monster or whatever those kinds mm -hmm. of those big big encounter yeah. moments which which are the, 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 the memorable moments. Um, and um, 
so yes i always enjoyed doing those and coming up with mechanics for those like for that um the the james bond thing i came up with a whole section where you had to go down a toboggan run and i came up with all these <laughs> mechanics for for how how this toboggan run would work so yeah it's always been a thing i've enjoyed but what i really discovered with beyond the black pudding was how much i enjoy how mechanics create story mm. uh the 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 interplay between the mechanic and the the experience and the the way the story is told um that's really fascinating me at the moment and i'm definitely i have there's not a lot of it in dungeons with plumbing but they're definitely uh it's a thing that i'm exploring more as i kind of go along and certainly every time i create a monster now i tend to start from okay what is the thing that makes this monster unique in a in 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 its experience of playing against it how can i turn yeah. that into a mechanic um and i find that's really interesting um so for example uh, for beyond the black pudding i made um, a whole um, new mechanic for uh, handling um gargantuan masses so what I call a mass yeah. is basically a large gargantuan monster that is non-localized, like a big plant or a big ooze um, that that can basically attack anywhere. It doesn't have like five attacks. It's got anywhere you're you're within its space, it can attack. It's a bit like a swarm. It's got the same kind of thing that you can occupy its space and attack it within its space. And yeah. um, and then you can basically destroy it within a space, but then it will try to get back into that space by growing into it or, or moving parts of itself back into it. Um, and mm. the, the the spaces that it occupies represent its hit dice. And so as you destroy it within a space, you remove one of its hit dice. And so um, and so the the size of it and its hit dice are intimately kind of connected to one another um that was i that worked so well it was just a really beautiful moment it's like wow this is like a story in a in in dice rolls right there in front of me um so that was really exciting um yeah so uh so yeah so i definitely in a general sense i think this what has become my real focus in in game making is just that yeah, that trying to create story from from ideas, <laughs> trying to mm -hmm. yeah, and and the 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 like the best we all know the best bits of D and D are when you roll the crit, right? That's the moment when yeah. when when something unexpected happens, when suddenly yeah. it's like you think the story's going one way, and then the crit comes. Those are the moments when you go. That's why we play with dice. Because playing mm -hmm. without dice, you the story can go wherever you want. But playing with dice, the story goes where you don't expect. And that's really cool. Those moments when you think you know where what you're going to do. And then the dice say, no, you're not. <laughs> and then you go, oh, I guess I'm doing <laughs> this instead. This is more interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, those those are the best bits. And so I kind of want to make a game that's that's all those best bits. You know, those those mm -hmm. those bits where it's all about the dice rolls. It's all about the 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 where it's not just you know the dice rolls aren't just there to kind of 
to 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 score the points to know who who's winning they're they're there to mm -hmm. to to drive the story in interesting and unexpected yeah. directions that's hugely important i think even outside of D D, every every game that uses dice or a system of randomness kind of adds to that flavor of taking a concept that you're in control and then watching <laughs> watching chaos basically spread yeah exactly it's the you don't it's know the chaos happen. it's then you try to shape the chaos i mean that's life right you, you you've mm -hmm. got the chaos happening all around you and then you try to navigate your way through it and 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 keep control of it in some exactly. way or another and uh and yeah those are those are the bits that, that that i mean that's why we play if there's anything that's why we play it's that it's those moments where where you you don't know what's going to happen but whichever way it goes it's going to be amazing um really is yeah, yeah it is is great um and uh yeah i'm always 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 looking for those uh for those moments i was thinking there was an example i was thinking of just the other day but i can't remember what it was but it was definitely yeah there was uh, there was um Yes, I, I I tweeted about this because it was a lovely example from our from my last game session with my with my group. Um, they were um, doing an interrogation, and you know interrogations are always good fun. They they'd captured a, a a drow and they were trying to find some information from from him, and yeah. um, they um, so they they found the information. And then they had this thing of what shall we do with him. And so I thought, okay, we'll 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 tie him up and we'll take him to the the town and we'll we'll hand him into the authorities there. We're not sure what the authorities will do with him, but that that feels yeah, they're all they're all good characters. <laughs> yeah, we've got to do yeah. we, we've got to got to got to play the alignment, right? So so they tie this drow up and then they like okay, and I'm going well, it's late now, so you're going to have to make camp. And they go okay, fair enough. So we so they make camp, and then I'm like okay, so obviously during the night this this prisoner is going to have to make an attempt and escape let's see yeah. if he manages it and so it was one of those beautiful moments when the dice just told the story in the perfect way so the first thing i'm gonna do is okay the first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna see if he can get out of his bonds so we'll do a contest between his sleight of hand and your wisdom survival because the, the of the person who tied tied him up yeah. So how good are your knots, basically? And so, uh, so they and they're they're pretty confident. We've you know, oh, I've got plus five on that. I'll, I'll, I should be fine. So then they they confidently go onto the roll, and it's a two. And they're like, oh no. Oof. And so then the drow rolls sort of fifteen or sixteen or whatever it was, and it's like, okay, the drow has wriggled free. Next step is okay. So now the drow is waiting for his moment to escape. So I roll who's who's on watch at the time when he makes his escape. I find which one of them it is, and then I go okay. Next one is going to be classic stealth versus perception. Right, we're going to see if his stealth can beat your perception. And another perfect moment where the drow just where the perception roll was like four, and the the stealth. I probably should have done passive perception, but anyway, stealth roll was like four, and the drow rolled like a ninety. Of course, drow have um. Uh, have expert proficiency i think in stealth so so they they had Jeez. a good chance of making their <laughs> escape so the drow then then escape so this person's on watch they turn around oh my god he's gone <laughs> what the hell happened so then they wake the others up he's gone away 
and then um and then there's a bit of recrimination between them and then one of them goes i yeah it yeah why weren't you watching say well why weren't you why didn't you tie him up properly i tied him up perfectly well show me how you tied him. so then we did another he had to do another uh wisdom survival thing to try to tie the knot to show what knot he did and he rolled like a three <laughs> and it's like oh yeah okay that was was bad so it was just it was just beautiful how the 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 dice told that story and of course the dice could have gone a different way and it would have told a completely different story and that story would also have been great so it doesn't matter which way the dice go the story is always is always great and i think that's yeah yeah, that's the the the, really the joy of, of of the whole world of dice i played a couple of systems that don't require dice in tabletop role playing games i personally lean towards dice more so Mm. mainly that might even just be exposure too but i like the randomness i like dice a lot so yeah i think so i think uh, there's there is definitely a a a benefit to to randomness there's a um there's a brilliant book uh by so i I, there's a person i admire hugely is an author called douglas hofstadter um, mm-hmm. who is most famous for a book called Gödel Escherbach, which he wrote back in the like late 1970s. Uh, but okay. he came out with a book um, relatively recently. Um, it's called Le Tombeau de Marot. It's a, it's a, a book about um, specifically about translation and in particular about translation of poetry. But it's really about okay. language and how language works and about mm-hmm. how... Uh, about how creativity works and in particular it's his, he his his theory is that uh creativity is uh created by constraints that yeah. the the what builds what what creates our our most creative moments is is not freedom to but it's it's those limitations that create creativity and his his opinion mm-hmm. is that's what poetry is basically poetry is we we impose limitations on ourselves we 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 say i'm going to write with these limitations it's going to have this rhyme scheme this you know this set of this meter you know and i'm going to never use the word potato you know and, and i don't know why that <laughs> popped up but anyway there we go um and then you go great now i'm going to make this thing and and so words are going to pop into your head oh now i have to find a word that rhymes with this word and a word comes into your head that would never have come into your head before, but it creates a metaphor that you never even thought of and you wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought of if you hadn't had that word pop into your head. Yeah. And that's the, the and and that's the, the, the glory of the of the random the random element. It forces you to uh, to to go away from the obvious and into the creative space that you weren't expecting. Um and uh, yeah, I think that's a that, so I I think you obviously you can play without dice and you get the you get that random element in other ways with a with a non dice based mm-hmm. game. So obviously the random element is there simply by the fact that you're working together with a bunch of other people. And so yeah. each one of them will, will take the story in a different direction. Um, it's like I don't know if you ever played. You must have played it. We've all done this when you were when you were little on a long car journey, and you know you would tell a story together where where one person would tell you know would would tell a bit of the story, and then the next person would pick it up and tell a little bit more of the story, and so on. It's like yeah. a kind of it's kind of the the original role playing game in some ways, um, mm-hmm. and um, 
And what's great about those kinds of games is exactly that, that you, you know, you think you're telling a story that's going in a particular particular direction and the next person picks it up and goes somewhere you weren't expecting. You're like, that wasn't what I was, the story I was telling. It's like, no, but that's the story we're telling. Now you're going to have to cope with it and work out what you're going to do. <laughs> and as long as everyone's working together and, and, and collaborating, of course, there's always yeah. a danger in any improv. You always have that danger of the person who, who blocks and it just wants to mm -hmm. get in the way and wants to, wants to cause trouble. And then, you know, and we all have, we've all experienced players like that in D and D too, um, who, who, you know, uh, I'll, I'll want to oh, I, I'm playing this game because I want to play evil because I'm going to you know I'm going to screw everything up and you're just going oh really yeah. okay um, but once we all get over that because we all tried it one stage <laughs> or another and then we go actually it's better if I don't do that and the story is better when 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 we actually all are all on the same page um, yeah. you know then then the magic can happen so I, I think you can you definitely can play without dice because the random element is still there but i i think that the yeah the, there's a reason why these these dice based games took off in the first place and i think that's that's pretty mm -hmm. much it it's that um yeah that unexpected um unexpected place it went to in uh in actually no i'm not going to say this i was about to i was about to give away a spoiler for legacy of zandrax but i'm not going to do that because my players oh. might be listening <laughs> Danny, one of the things that I know people are going to be curious about is actually how Dungeons with Plumbing will be available to them. Uh, well, I can answer that one very easily. Uh, Dungeons with Plumbing will be available on DMs Guild uh, on my page of, of other, along with all the other stuff I do. Uh, it has to be DMs Guild because it's got a lot of of D D and D specific lore. So, um, so that's. Mm -hmm. Uh, ah, so, okay. yeah, so that, I mean, not that I mind, DM's Guild is, is great, actually, and uh, has, has worked very well for me. Uh, but, but yes, so it will be on DM's Guild. When, I do not know. I, I kind of had hoped that I'd have got a bit further with it by now, but I, like I say, I'm about three quarters of the way through, so hopefully we're only talking mm -hmm. a few more weeks and then, and then it will be done. Okay, that makes sense. We've been going for, oh gosh, we've been going for about 45 minutes now. I, so, I can talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's been it's been great. I've learned a lot. Like I said, I've only recently started to kind of get back into D and D, like and D and D content specifically. So it's it's been a lot of fun, just like hearing people who are so excited about the content. That, I mean, we talked about spell jammers before that. That was just announced two three days ago. So yeah, it's very exciting. A lot of exciting stuff going around with D&D, &D, and I think a lot of people are going to like this, but I have two more questions for you. Okay. What advice can you give somebody who's wanting to write their own stuff, but they don't really know where to start? Um, okay. Oh, if, if, if I knew the answer to that, I would uh, probably be a, a lot richer than I am now. But I think <laughs> that the, I think that the answer is, um, don't worry about being original. This is my, like I said earlier, this is very much my curse. Um, so, so the DM's guild, the DM's guide, has right at the start has a whole bunch of random number tables which literally go. Here is how you can generate a story. What is it that the the players are looking for? Roll a d20. They're looking for this. What what is the big bad evil thing? It's this and. It sort of seems like you feel a bit like, oh, my God, am I being that unoriginal? But it's fine because 
within these these uber stories these stories are, are you know literally like four lines of story it's it's all you need to to get yourself started so mm -hmm. so you don't need a lot don't try to create a massive campaign straight from the start it's definitely start small let the campaign uh, grow by itself let the awesome create itself um mm -hmm. the story will will happen by itself you don't have to to know in advance where it's going to go that doesn't mean you uh you have to improvise like i say i i'm terrible at improvising you but it's okay to uh to sort of have a basic outline and a few key key ideas and then yeah let the story build from there and not worry too mm -hmm. much about it um if it's if you're like me, but you don't have to be like me, I tend to start from the map um, because uh, you know map making is kind of fun, and you can uh, you can make a map quite quickly. You can also um, another really good source of things is is lots of uh, there are lots of brilliant creators out there who just make maps, and they will just yeah, uh, yeah and you can go go to one of you know um, Dean Demetrius or. Uh, or, or um, uh, maps and quests, or any of these people, they're all really, really great. And uh, you can literally go onto their pages and download a, a map. Some of them will be free. Some of them they'll ask you to pay for. You can be a pa patron on one of them, and um, and just you know you can get a map of of a dungeon or a swamp or a whatever it is, and then look at that map and go, what do I see in this place? What are the what are the mm -hmm. creatures that are going to go in there? Um, and then and then beyond there i think it's just a matter of what is the what is the bit that you find fun uh and yeah. if you find it fun then the players will probably find it fun too uh, so um you know for me what i find fun is making monsters so my mm. games tend to involve quite a lot of new monsters because um because i kind of can't help myself and what I find fun <laughs> is um, silly things. I like, um, you know, I, yeah. So much of Dungeons with Plumbing involves um, monsters that are there for a reason because they're part of the whole um, the the infrastructure of the place. So I've yeah. got monsters that um uh yeah I, i've got a monster toilet i'm sorry it's just you know i'm a child <laughs> this is uh it's it's a it's a monster that has uh the the that forms into a nice bowl shape and has a has a pool of acid at the bottom and basically the 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 local monsters use it as a toilet but if you come close to it and you don't use it as a toilet it gets cross and then it might start shooting acid at you that's a fun encounter right there and um you know and if you are incredibly childish like me then you're gonna find that funny um but uh but yeah it's it, a lot of the time this is the, the what we were talking about earlier the, the limitations the as soon as you start asking yourself those questions of where do they eat where do they poo where do they um you know what um you know what diseases do they suffer from what was the last mm -hmm. time they had a war what was the last you know what um what do they spend their money on those kinds of questions as soon as you start asking those questions before you know it you've got a whole uh, a whole world that you've created and uh, it doesn't it yeah, it doesn't take long the only problem you find is that because um because you are asking those kinds of questions 
a lot of you, know, you you do get to the stage where uh, every single one of my dungeons is going to have to have a kitchen bathrooms sleeping areas um you know storerooms and before you know it, three quarters of the yeah. dungeons already populated with kind of mundane things but mm-hmm. but it's okay don't worry about it just because they seem mundane doesn't mean they can't be fun because because yeah. a mundane things still involve npcs who have goals and needs and wants um and there will be a creature that that wanders around at the the place and you know there'll be something living under that bed or something living in those toilets or whatever there is you can find ways to make it exciting so i think that's that's my long-winded answer to that (laughs) (laughs) that's perfectly fine danny where can people find more about you and the stuff that you're making uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. That's where I um, mostly uh, am, am to be found. Uh, I, I I tweet as D and D with plumbing, um, uh, or, or as is the, is my my username and and just Dungeons with Plumbing as the as the full name. Um, I I tweet as myself as well, but um, but that's non D and D related. All my D and D stuff is is to be found yeah. on there um and uh yeah i i i only do twitter god knows what we'll do if 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 musk has his way and, and so, <laughs> yeah. i mean i may have to move elsewhere but for the moment at least twitter is twitter is home <laughs> yeah i'm in the same boat there all right well danny thank you so much as always audience all the links for danny's work and dungeons with plumbing that's all going to be down in the description below danny Thank you so much for joining me. It was it's been, an absolute It's been a blast. huge pleasure. So much fun. Uh, yeah, being being a massive egotist, it's uh, it's always lovely to have a chance to talk <laughs> entirely about myself uninterrupted for two hours, <laughs> however long it's been. <laughs> it's been a little bit, but that's okay, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks ever so much. Thank you so much. Audience, thank you for listening. Danny and Dungeons with Plumbing are scheduled to launch very soon, so get excited and go support them take care of yourselves have a great week and i'll see you on the next one bye thank you so much to danny for joining me on the show this week dungeons with plumbing is a really different project than the others that we've looked at recently because it's one part supplement and one part book of its own if it's like anything else that danny's made then it's going to be great He's got a great sense of humor and is arguably one of the most passionate folks I've ever met. So please, go pick it up somewhere on the internet. Danny's work is great. Get Dungeons with Plumbing when it comes out. And thank you for joining me, audience. I'm not going to lie, this past week's been pretty tough on me mentally, but there's been a lot of support from all of you listeners, and it's helped me out a lot. I truly do appreciate everything that you do, and... I love hearing from all of you. It's been amazing. I've met so many great people. So thank you for supporting the show and keeping it going, showing more people some cool indie games. If you like the show, though, and you want to hear more, you can always spread the word to someone you know who might enjoy it. Or better yet, why not send a creator my way to talk about their project? Even better than that, though, is joining us on the Mission Control Discord and helping fill out some of those numbers. I know it's been a while since we've talked about it, but... We're still trying to get some artists who can come and help designers and collaborate with others. Don't worry, we're not saying work for free. Next week, I am 
really pumped to have some really cool people on the show. I'm bringing on Duck and Ewan to talk about their game, To Change. It's a game capturing and centering around metamorphosis. It's got an evolving system. I love it. I think you're all going to really enjoy it too. Until next week though, take care of yourselves and I'll talk to you really soon. 